welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Corinthians chapter 7, feel free to turn there. Uh, I, I saw the name tags today. I've, I've, got a pur- I've got a purpose in this, I promise. Just something for you to think through. But some of my favorite ones, I saw uh, several people wrote blessed on there. I'm not going to make you write your hand, but I think everybody in this room could have wrote blessed on your name tag. Isn't that right? That's right. We, we, we're blessed to get here together, to be able to gather together with other people, to serve God together. And we get this time to open up our Bible. And, and the Bible to me is full of encouragement and hope. And that's what we get to do every time we come here is we get to walk out of a dark, dirty world and we get to gather here together into our safe place and we get to open God's word and look for that encouragement and hope. I, I was thinking about my favorite Bible verses this week. And, and what, uh, what, which ones really give me a lot of hope and give me a lot of encouragement? And my, my favorite one is this, is, is Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God. It's my favorite one. I love that. That, that. that applies to everything. And the reason I love that one is that that comes with, with two promises to us. Number one, in that verse, it tells us something that, that God is working in all things. That, that means when things are going good, God is doing something in our lives. When things are going good at church, God is, God is doing something at Ramsey Heights. But, but it also means, all things also means that when, when something's going bad, when, when things aren't going the way that we think, that, that God is still working. He's still engaged and he's involved. And, and piggybacking off that, the second promise that we have that is that if today is bad, eventually it will be good. And we've all had bad times. I mean, some somebody woke up this morning and was a Texas Longhorn fan after we throttled them last night, right? Like people are having bad days off across the United States. And, 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 and all joking aside, sometimes we have bad days. Sometimes we have sickness in our, our lives and our families. And, and, we, and we deal with hardships we don't understand. But there, there's a promise from God th- that he will turn everything eventually to good. See, overall, what this verse tells us is that God's power is not bound by the circumstances we live in. And we started a new series last week called I Am a Missionary, looking at some circumstances that Corinth feared would get in the way of God's work. They, they saw circumstances in their lives and said, well, God can't work through me in this situation or in these circumstances. But that's, that's not true at all because God's power is not bound by circumstances. First, they talked about the circumstance of marriage and they said, well, is this a distraction from my calling with God? And then they talked about being married to an unbeliever. Does, does this make our marriage unholy? And then what Paul answers to them really comes down to two things. Is God has plans to use you no matter what your circumstances are. And secondly, you are a missionary no matter what your circumstances are. Paul's going to go on, and last week after he talked about relationships, he's going to explain this concept of God using us in verses 17 through 23 this morning, 24 this morning. If you'll read with me in verse 17, let's follow what Paul says. But as God has distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. So I ordain in all 
churches. Now hang on to that. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to come back here in just a second. But, but Paul begins to explain why God works in all circumstances and why good and bad may happen and why we shouldn't worry about the circumstances we, we're in. And what it tells us is something about the nature of God when it comes to how he deals with us. The main word that popped out of that there this morning to me or this week to me was distributed distributed. God has distributed. To, to distribute means to take some forethought about where you're putting things. Uh, other, other translations use the word assigned. Either one of those is a good translation of that word. But God has distributed his people. Now listen to what that means. Is that means that God is handpicking and putting people into different situations, into different cultures, into different parts of time, into different parts of our world for a purpose. He has distributed us. It's kind of like that big you guys ever drive through Searcy and there's that big Walmart and actually there's two of them. There's a Walmart and a Sam's distribution center. Have you ever talked to somebody who worked there? I'm bringing back some bad memories for Robert. Robert used to work there. The distribution centers, what they do is they have these pallets of stuff that come in and somebody goes through and they hand pick what things need to go to what Walmarts across the state. Because the needs of a Walmart in Fayetteville is different than the needs of a Walmart in Batesville, which is different than the meat needs of a Walmart in Jonesboro. And so Walmart has, has made this network uh, of distribution centers where people hand pick where things need to go. And what the Bible tells us with you and me is that when God looks at his believers, we're not just kind of popping up. There's a, a grand master plan to that. He has distribu distributed us to different places, different periods of time, different cultures for a purpose. And that brings us a lot of hope, or it should bring us a lot of hope, because God is putting us where he needs. Our first take-home truth is this, is that God handpicked and placed me where my feet are. That's our first take-home truth today. God handpicked and placed me where my feet are. Now, we don't often do this, but I'm going to make you say that out loud today because I want you to write this on your paper, but I also want you to write this on your heart, and I want it to be on our lips because this is important. So say it with me. God handpicked and placed me where my feet are. Where my feet are is just a very fancy word for where you're present at where your presence is at this moment. God has placed you there. It is not an accident. So whether that's your neighborhood or the place that you work or the family that you married to or this very lovely, beautiful church that God has given us, whether it's your city or your state, the culture, God has placed you here. It was not a mistake. There is infinite wisdom. He puts you where you are at this moment in time for a purpose and for a plan. So no matter where you're at, he's there. Now, we need to talk about the context of these verses because while we know that God is speaking to us through his inspired word, the context of this was originally to the, wrote to the church at Corinth. And I told you last week that Corinth was the dirtiest, most evil place in the Roman Empire, or at least close to it. And, and this is what Paul is saying to these Christians in this, who have been pulled out of this culture, who live in this dirty, nasty, sexualized world. He says, look, God puts you here for a reason. This world that you live in is, is for a reason. You, you are the light in this world. You're here. God puts you here for a purpose. So even with the sin in the culture, your marriages will shine bright. Even with the sexuality, the sexuality of Christians will shine bright. And then he says, I ordain this in all churches, which simply means that he teaches this in all churches. So as Paul is teaching this to the Corinthians that God has distributed them to this particular place, to Corinth at this time, he says, it's not just y'all, I teach this to all the churches. Uh, I've got a map coming up here, the, the, the first picture. 
that shows you Paul's missionary journey. Now, I know that you can't see that. You don't need to know all the names. But what that represents is everything from what is modern-day Israel to modern-day Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Greece, Italy, Cyprus, all kinds of places that Paul traveled. And he goes to all of these areas, and he says, to every church that I teach at, Every church that I teach, I ordain this, that you are placed there. You are distributed for a reason. So in this empire, the Roman Empire that existed at this time, which is just many countries under one rule, there were so many cultures that Paul taught this to. In Israel, he taught it to the Jews who, who had been God's chosen people. And many of the Jews had rejected Jesus Christ. And he says to Jews who had became Christians, he said, you were placed in a world full of people who reject Christ for a reason. God picked you for here. And then he goes and teaches in what is modern day Greece. And he says to these people who live in a culture that worships wisdom and philosophy, he says, you were placed in this world where people worship philosophy and wisdom for a reason. God, God put you here. And then he goes to Rome where people uh, worship political power and the power of the Roman Empire. And he says to the Roman Christians, he says, listen, you guys were placed in Rome for a reason. God puts you here. You don't need to be in Israel. You don't have to be somewhere else. God puts you here. He distributed you. He handpicked you to be there. And so Paul says this to everybody and then he says it to us. In the midst of all the good and bad that we have going on in, in Arkansas, in the midst of all the good and bad in our country, in the midst of all the good and bad in the world right now, God placed you here. Not necessarily here as Ramsey Heights, but he placed you in Arkansas. He placed you in Southside, and he placed you in Batesville. And for us as a church, our address is not an accident. He placed Ramsey Heights here for a reason. And I think we forget that because, man, I'm, I'm so tired of the culture around us. I'm so tired of people laughing at God. I'm, I'm so tired of seeing the way that people hurt because of the sin in the world. I'm tired of seeing kids that are broken because of the, the decisions of their parents. I'm so tired of it. And sometimes I think it would be better if I lived elsewhere. What if there was, was a, an island I could escape to? What if I could time travel and I could go back to, to a time when churches had the political power and everybody feared the power of the church? What, what if I could do something different? What if I could be elsewhere? But what Paul says is that all of those hopes and dreams are a lie. That you and I are placed here because this is right where God wants us. Now, if God is distributing us, there must be a reason. He's not just placing us out because he, he's like a, a kid with a Lego set that just likes to make things look pretty. God has a reason for putting you and me here in Southside and in Arkansas. And in 2021, no matter what our age is, no, no matter where we are in our life, no matter what our circumstances is, God has a purpose. And the number one purpose of every Christian is to get souls. I hate to put it that way, but I don't know how else to say it. That's our purpose as a church. What are we doing? We're after souls, people. It sounds like I'm trying to drag somebody off into like Halloween or something. I want your soul. No, we're after souls. We're after souls, not for us, but so they can be restored by Jesus Christ. That is what we exist for. I don't ask for amens very often, but that's better. Thank you. Like we are after souls. That is what our mission is. And wherever Christians are, God says you are to be after souls to introduce them to the restoration of Jesus Christ. And when we see people restored by Jesus Christ, we see a change in them. And when we see a change in people, in large groups of people, what we do is we see a change in culture. 
there's, a, there's a, a researcher named Robert Woodbury, and he did some research about the effect of missionaries on an area. When you send a missionary to an area, when you have a high concentration of missionaries go to the same place, he said, what happens to that geographic area or to that nation or to that country uh, 100 years down the road and 200 years down the road? And here's what he found as he looked at this. The effect of missionaries on an area... The effect of missionaries on an area are within a couple hundred years, you will, number one, see higher than average rates of literacy. Number two, you will see more freedom of expression. And number three, the most heavily evangelized area by missionaries are where democracy has popped up throughout the world. All of these things culminate in economic growth. So listen to what I'm telling you here is overall, when you send missionaries to an area, you have a more productive and enjoyable society. See, our mission is to get souls to God. And when God gets those souls, he'll begin to change them. And then he will change the culture through those souls that we get to him. So do you dislike the world? Do we hate the culture? Are we tired of the politics and the anger? You know what the answer is? We need more missionaries. We need more people going out and getting souls. That is the answer to the problems we see. It's not who we elect politically. The answer is not who we can own in some kind of a fight on social media. The answer is spreading the gospel. And you and I, we are those missionaries. I'm a missionary to Southside. You're a missionary to your workplace. You and I, we are those missionaries, and we are after souls, and we are after God's kingdom being built in Southside and Batesville, Arkansas. Let's continue reading with, with Paul here in verse 18. He says, is any, man, is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every, mind, let every man abide in the same calling where he was called. Art thou, being call, or art thou called being a servant? That word means slave, by the way. Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. But he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. So Paul continues on and he addresses some issues that you might find in the churches at this time. First off, he addresses the, the issue of circumcision, which was the Jewish picture of becoming a, a um, one of God's people. Uh, once again, if you don't understand that, Brother Larry will be out in the lobby. He would love to talk to you about that after church. Don't have time to go into it right now. Uh, but, but this was huge between the, the church when you have the Jews and the Gentiles. The, 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 some people said, oh, we've all got to be circumcised. We've all got to be Jewish in order to be Christian. And Paul says, no, nah, you don't have to do that. He says, that's fine if you were called that way. If you became a Christian after being a Jew, that's fine. But if you became a Christian after being a Gentile, after being someone who was not part of God's place, that's fine as well. Secondly, he picks the lowest vocation in the Roman Empire. I don't even know you call it a vocation. The lowest social order in the Roman Empire. He picks slaves. He says, did you become a Christian while you were a slave? Use it. If you have freedom, use that. But if you're a slave, just go ahead and use it. That's oddly reminiscent of that story we talked about last week, isn't it? Of the two missionaries who wanted to go evangelize the slaves in the Dutch West Indies, who made the decision in order to reach these slaves, in order to have access to the slaves, we'll just sell ourselves into slavery. And we'll spend our life toiling as slaves for the purpose of spreading the gospel. What Paul says here, it doesn't matter where you are. Are you a slave? Use that for God. You have a mission field there. Be free if you can. Freedom is great. We would prefer if you were free, but, but use that. Use your circumstance wherever you are. 
Now, when you look at those two things, all of that comes into identity. That, that's, that's, that's not necessarily applying to us. I don't know of anybody in here who's ever had to, to work in slavery. I don't think that we spend a lot of time arguing between Jews and Gentiles at Ramsey Heights. But, but what Paul's addressing is the major parts of identity in the church. And the identity of our heritage and, and, and my position in society. And Paul is basically saying those things, those things don't matter as much as you think they are. So in what ways today do we define ourselves? What's our identity? That's why I had you write name tags down. What'd you, what'd you write? I wrote on mine, that fell off again. I wrote, I wrote on mine, teacher. Teacher, because that's, that's, that's what I feel like God has given me a talent to do, whether, whether I'm at work throughout the week or when I get to be here and, and teach the Bible. God has called me and gifted me to be a teacher. That, that's what I, I wrote as my identity. That's my vocation. It's how I feed my family, and that's my calling. And so I, I identified that as my identity. What did you write? Uh, now, some of you guys, you've got your name tag on. Some of you didn't have a pen or you didn't have an opportunity. That's okay. And, and some of you are just rebels and you're not going to do it because I ask you to. And I still love you. I still love you. But you had to at least think about it. How did you identify yourself? We might identify ourselves as I'm an American or I'm from the South. I'm a Razorback fan. Most of us, or not most of us, a lot of us wrote our job title, I am my job. Some of us find our identity in the fact that I am broken or I am hurt. I'm an overcomer. I'm, an educa I'm educated. I am not educated. I'm a hard worker. I'm a mother or a father or a grandmother or a grandfather. I'm not from here. I am old. I am young. I am my mistakes or I am my victories. I am my political party. I am my hobbies. I am my children's activities, or maybe I am this person that I pretend to be around people. And what Paul says is that is all a part of you, but that is not the core of your identity. No circumstance you find yourself in should ever be the core of an identity for a Christian, not our job, or our heritage, our achievements, our hobbies, our circumstances. Paul says, no, the truth is that your identity is found in something deeper. What matters is not being a slave or free or being circumcised or uncircumcised or being from here or there or what you do for a job. Your identity is in keeping the commandments of God. Now, let me, let me just pause for a second before we go any farther with that because some of us, we're going to hear that and we're going to get very legalistic, right? Like, oh, does that mean our identity is like I follow all the rules and I'm perfect all the time? No, Paul is referring to something that Jesus said here. I believe he's referring to something that Jesus said here because Jesus said this. He said, those who love me do what? They keep my commandments. And so when Paul says keeping the commandments, he's not talking about the legalistic. Are you following the rules? Did you make a mistake? Have you done all the things right? He says your identity is in following the commandments, which is a symbol of your love for Christ. Your identity is in being a follower of Christ. Our next take-home truth is this, is my identity is found in my love for God and his love for me. My identity is found in my love for God and his love for me. Let's keep reading as Paul writes here in, in verse 23. Uh, Paul then says to these people, he says, Ye are bought with a price. Be ye not servants of men. And, and so as Paul talks about this, he says, You were bought. And we can learn something about our identity and being a Christ follower by looking at this. Number one, when we look at this, being bought means that there was a price. And so this, this verse tells us about our value. 
And the value of every human being is the death and blood of Jesus Christ on a cross. When it says you were bought, that was the price for your salvation. That was the price for you and me to have access to God. That was the price for us to have eternity with God. And so when we look at our identity, our identity should never be steeped in anything except for the creator of the universe finds that kind of value in me. And he loves me that much. And secondly, when you talk about a price and it says that you were bought, uh, being bought means ownership. There's a connotation of ownership in this, in our, in our, in our core identity. It's like this. I've got this thing with vehicles, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, maybe that's worldly. I love cars. Since I was eight years old, what do you want for Christmas? I want a truck. I didn't mean a Tonka truck. I meant a truck. Like, I wanted something to drive. That's, that's what I always ask for. And so, for some reason, all of my life, I will identify your vehicles going down the road. It can be just plain Jane. I'll see you every time because I know, I know the vehicles of people that I have never met before, but I know their vehicles and their name off of their car. Jessica and I were at a, f a funeral, sad, sad story, funeral a while back, and, and somebody tried to introduce me to this couple, and I saw them pull up, and they said, hey, this is so-and-so, and they're from, I said, they're from Batesville. I recognize that black forerunner with that license plate. Yeah, you guys are from Batesville. Anyway, I told you to tell you this. You guys get a new car, I'm going to notice, not because I'm jealous or judging you, just I'm going to know that you're driving a new car, because that's part of how I identify people. And so you guys come to church and you're showing off your new car and I'm like, hey, this is, this is rocking. I love this car. And I'll pull you off to the side and I'm like, hey, listen, uh, it's Jessica's birthday this week and I want to take her on a date. And I think it'd be really special if we could take her in a brand new clean car. She would enjoy that. Can I borrow your car this Friday night? And some of you love me enough, you'd be like, yeah, sure, man, take it. You guys have a good time. Go to Little Rock and, and, and hang out. And some of you would not know what to say, so you're like, I guess, and I'm going to take that as a yes because I'm going to get to drive a new car, right? And then some of you have known me for long enough that you've, you've rode in a vehicle with me, and, uh, and you know my foot gets a little heavy from time to time. And you know that I view that yellow line in the middle of the road as a suggestion, not a hard and fast rule. Don't, don't listen, Rick. And, and so you're like, uh, well, here, yeah, we would, Brian, but actually Friday night, we're, we're going to let the dog ride in the car for the first time, so we can't let you borrow it. We have big family plans that night and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, okay, no big deal. But then that night, I'm out driving around town, and I drive by your house. Not that I drive by your house is looking at your vehicle, but this is hypothetical. And I drive by your house, and I see that car parked in the parking lot like they lied to me. And so I go hop in that car and I decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take the car. We're going to go have our date night. Now, what are you going to do in that moment? I can tell you what's going to happen is White River Now on Facebook is going to report on Monday morning, local pastor arrested for Grand Theft Auto because you're going to call the law on me for stealing your car. You know why? It's because you own it. And from the second you purchase that car, from the second that you own that car, it exists for one reason and one reason only, and that is to serve you and your family in the way that you decide. And not I or anybody else has the right to question that or take that. And so when we talk about being owned by Christ, this is what it means is that you and I exist for the purpose of serving the one who loves us, the one who owns us, and serving his purposes when and where he says so. That is our identity as being owned by Jesus Christ. See, what this verse tells us is that our identity is this all-encompassing sense of who I am as a follower of Christ and what I have been placed here for, the mission. Peter addresses the concept of this ownership identity in 1 Peter. And he says this, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. I love the word used there, sometimes translated exiles. This is, this is referring to people who are living in an area that's not your home. 
It's like living in a foreign land. And this is what Peter says to Christians. Says, you, you don't belong here. This is, this is not our home, guys. This is all temporary. God has placed us here for a very short period of time for a very specific purpose. But this is not our home. We are exiles. We are strangers. And we are pilgrims. So the biblical picture here is clear, is that there's this all-encompassing identity that, that I am here in a place I don't belong for a purpose. What do you call someone who leaves their country, who leaves their home to go to another country in order to serve God? What do, what do we call those people? We call them missionaries. And, and so when Peter and Paul speaking to us here and they say, your identity is in not belonging to this world. Your identity is being owned by God. Your identity is in the value that Christ places on you and you don't belong here. What they're saying to us is you are a missionary wherever you are at. Our identity is as missionaries in this world. If you still got your Bibles open, we're, we're gonna read one more verse, verse 24. But uh, we're gonna go back and we're gonna reread the whole thing starting at 17. Now, I've got an assignment for you. If you're somebody who uh, marks in your Bible, if you highlight and underline things, I'm gonna ask you to do that. If not, just count. But what we're doing is in our Bible, we're, we're looking for the word calling or called. I want you guys to underline that, highlight it, or count it starting in verse 17. Here we go. Almost read the wrong chapter. Let me go back. Verse 17. But as God has distributed to every man as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all churches. Is a man called being uncircumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but keeping the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servants. Ye are bought with a price. Be ye not servants of men. Verse 24. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. So as we look at this, Seems like God's making a, a pretty specific point, isn't he? He's making it a point that our identity is that we are called to something. How many did you guys get? How many did you guys count? Nine, eight, nine, okay, good. I counted nine, and if somebody had told me there was 12, I'd be like, look, I didn't take my shoes off to do all that counting. So I counted, I counted nine. I may be wrong in that. But look, in that verse, it seems like God is going overboard. Nine times he speaks to those who identify themselves by Christ's love. That, that, let, me, let me make sure we're on the side. That's me, and that's you. And nine times he speaks to those who he has distributed, and he says, you are called. And it applies to everyone. We, we like to think of, of people being called, like a pastor who gets a call to be a pastor, where God puts a calling on their life, or a missionary who God has called. No, it applies to you. You are called to be a missionary. You are called for a purpose. In that same chapter in 1 Peter, Peter says this to all Christians. He says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And then he tells us what our purpose is in all of this. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our last take-home truth is this. I am called by God to be a missionary where my feet are. I'm called by God to be a missionary where my feet are.
Once again, I want this wrote on our hearts. I want it wrote on our minds, and I want it to come off of our lips. So let's say this together. Write it on your heart today. I am called by God to be a missionary where my feet are. I think God's being excessive here. And I think he has to be excessive because he knows he's talking to humans, and humans are notoriously hard-headed and stubborn, and he knows he's going to have to be repetitive for us to get it. But nine times he says here, you have a calling, you have a mission that applies to you. Listen to me, if you're a Christian, it's not enough to be at church on Sunday morning. I'm so glad you're here. I love you all. But that's not what we are called to do. We're not called to come to church. It's not enough to have a Bible in your house. That's not what we were called to do. We are called to mission. We are called to reach the world. We are called to glorify Christ in this world. And God is getting this point in. He then says, abide where you are called. The word abide, just, it's, it's a fancy word that, that we might not use very often, but it just means to stay and remain. So remain where you are called. And do God's work there. Where are you called at? Where your feet are. Good man. You're called wherever your feet are. That means for some of us, God has called you to your marriage as a missionary. God has called some of us to our singleness as a missionary. God has called us to our jobs as a missionary. God has called some of us to retirement as a missionary. God has called some of us to friendships as a missionary. God has called us to our neighbors as a missionary. And God has called us to Ramsey Heights as a joint collection task force of missionaries together. Abide in your mission. Remain in it. And be content where God God has placed you. Well, we've talked about individual identities a lot, but what is our collective identity as a church? What is Ramsey Heights' identity? And we are called together as a church for a couple of purposes. Number one is we come here to edify, that just means to build up, to learn, to praise and worship God, and to celebrate and rejoice what He has done for us. And when we're done here in just a few minutes, we deploy to the world as missionaries. That is our second. As I put this together this week, I have been so convicted. A lot of times we just go to a scripture that I feel called to, and it's the, and it's the message series for now, and we're learning and we're growing. But I have been so convicted by this that this is not just a fleeting message series that we'll move on from. When we talk about I am a missionary, I believe that this is the vision that God has for this church, that you and I collectively make this our model and write, our, our motto and write it on our hearts every week that we are here for a purpose as a church. We are here to be missionaries to the world around us in everything that we do. Uh, last summer, Jessica and I bought a house, and, and um, our, our realtor, by the way, if you want a good realtor, I'll recommend her because she was phenomenal. And I was talking to her, and she got to know us enough to know that our faith was very important to us. She knew that I, I pastored here at Ramsey Heights, and she was asking me about the church. And, and she said, so what, you know, what's going on with Ramsey Heights? And I was kind of explaining to her my heart for this church, and I, and I said these words. I, I said, we own these neighborhoods. Now, that came out a little wrong because it came out very prideful, but, but I, I don't take a step back from that. I believe that God has called us together here, that we own this community, not in the fact that it's here to serve us, but in the fact we are here to serve it. For, for a large extent, to Clearview and Riverview, Southside and Deshaies, and to a larger extent, Batesville and Independence County. This belongs to us as a responsibility to be missionaries within it. It's not enough for us to have a church that opens on Sunday mornings and that exists. We are a church that is put here for a mission where we leave here and we were distributed throughout by God, called with our identity in Christ, being missionaries where our individual feet are. We're on a mission as a church. 
to get people to Christ and in Christ to change our community to see this, this city give praise to God, to see the hurt and the brokenness of sin that we have seem to fade from our culture. And we go out with the, with the goal of making disciples who then grow up and they make disciples, who then grow up and they make disciples. And this is how we affect change in our world. It's not enough to just be a church. This is what we're here for. It's not about how many people show up on Sunday morning. It's not about how much money we get in the red envelope draft. It's about serving God. And this happens when we remain in our calling. Live if you want to start to make your way up here. So my question this morning is, what has God brought to your mind as, as your mission? For some of you, for some of you, God has, has brought to your mind that I'm not a child of God and I can't be a missionary until I take that step. And if that's you this morning, today is the time to give your life to Christ. He loves you so much. He has a, an amazing purpose and calling for your life, and you will never experience the joy like you experience being a follower of Christ. Some of you, God is bringing a specific something that he wants you to do, to be that person who shows up at work early on Tuesday morning and tells all of your coworkers, I'm having a prayer meeting before work starts. You're, you're welcome to be here. Or to be the person who goes out and makes friends with that one coworker that nobody likes and show them the love of Christ by showing them the love that nobody else gets. Or to be that person who lives your faith in an active and vocal way after we've kind of been embarrassed and just been willing to get through work. Where is your mission field? Because as a church, we're deploying. It's time for us to see God work in our community. I'd love for you guys to come up here and just pray about your mission field and commit to it. This is open to you. If you want to talk to me about being uh, 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 growing in Christ or putting your faith in Christ, I would love to talk to you. But this is our response time. Don't leave here the same as you walked in. We come here to be different. Please stand.